Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Why is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term what is going on guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is your monday night raw boring post show for july 10th 2023 i'm your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots beer garden thank you guys so very much for joining me on your monday evenings Wherever you may be, man. Holy shit, did this show feel like it was 12 hours long, man. I felt like I was watching a Lord of the Rings marathon on TNT tonight. Holy shit. This show is boring. Say the same thing every week. Every single week. Uh, But it it was a good show, man. No, it wasn't. 
Genuinely, I feel no emotional attachment to anything on this show. I could watch this show with my fucking eyes closed and it wouldn't make a lick of a difference. Seriously. It's the same show every single week. Nothing is different. Do we get sing-along time with Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes? You know it. Every single week. Do we get the same structured tag team match every single week? You guessed it. Do we get the same structured six-man tag team match every week? You guessed it. Do we get two-minute matches every week? You better fucking believe it. Now we can add Vince breaking up factions to the list of things on Monday Night Raw. If you guessed that one, you guessed correct. Cody Rhodes coming out in a nice fucking suit, explaining nothing to the crowd. Whoa! You guessed it. This show sucks. It's the bottom line. Monday Night Raw is the worst wrestling show of your weekly wrestling television agenda. That's what I have to say about this show. What was the biggest thing that happened tonight? Honestly, it's all the same. It's all the same. There's not, in my honest opinion, there's not one thing bigger or better than the next thing on this show. You know, the one thing that I am genuinely concerned with, honestly, is Judgment Day being overexposed on Monday Night Raw. WWE is leaning so heavy into the Judgment Day on Monday Night Raw that I feel like they are just a tad bit overexposed. And I don't know if you guys feel that same way about it. I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I feel like Judgment Day is just a little bit there, man, a little bit overexposed on Monday night. Do we really need them in like five or six different segments throughout the fucking show? I mean, the bloodline, they are not. Seems like WWE's trying to recreate what they got going on with the bloodline, the drama in the bloodline. They think that they could recreate that and create some captivating and interesting television on Monday night by doing the same thing with the Judgment Day. You cannot do that with the Judgment Day because the Judgment Day are not the bloodline. The bloodline is bringing in the ratings. The Judgment Day is not. Not to say that the Judgment Day is a bad stable. But the Judgment Day should not be in the same vein or on the same page as the bloodline. And the story that's going on over there, Rhea Ripley all over the show, Dominic Mysterio all over the show with his piped in fucking fake crowd noise, fake booze. You got Dominic and Seth Rollins again advertised. Thank God that didn't take place tonight. They did that last week. They advertised it again this week, only to pull off the typical Vince McMahon bait and switch. And we got a generic six-man tag to end the show because that's what WWE, that's what Vince McMahon does. We got Finn Balor and Damian Priest doing their thing. I mean... It's just a little bit too much Judgment Day on the show. And you got a whole roster that is waiting to get on TV. Where are they? It's the same fucking people every week. We're right back to what I told you it was going to be after the draft. The same cast of characters. 
every single week. And there's nothing entertaining about it. Finn Balor is obviously not done with Seth Rollins. That will be your World Heavyweight Championship match at SummerSlam, and that's where I think they pull the trigger on Judgment Day, really breaking down, and it's one or the other, leaving Judgment Day. So Balor is not done with Rollins, and that's going to be your World Heavyweight Championship match in Detroit. Don't know what else they do with the, uh, the Judgment Day. I don't know what they do with Priest at SummerSlam. I don't know what they do with Rhea Ripley at SummerSlam. I don't know what they do with Dominic at SummerSlam. But that's where they're going with all this. It's either Balor or Priest getting the axe in Judgment Day. But for now, for this week, they're on the same page. But Damian Priest did have some in-your-face, kind of flown-under-the-radar comments towards Finn Balor on this show tonight where he gave Balor his blessing to beat Rollins. But he said if, basically, he doesn't get the job done, it will be taken care of because he is senor in the bank. Senor money in the bank. So that's what Damian Priest feels about Finn Balor. He kind of thinks that he's not going to get the job done against Seth Rollins at SummerSlam. We'll go over that tonight on the post show. Also, we got Ricochet and Logan Paul. I think you guys pretty much know that this will be a SummerSlam match in Detroit. It's something that I'm looking forward to because Logan Paul, every time he's gets every time he gets into the ring, he's knocked it out of the park. So you know it's going to be a banger against Ricochet. WWE did some nice throwback to Ricochet and Velveteen Dream tonight. But it did not come off anywhere as good as Ricochet and Velveteen Dream. They tried to do the same stunt, the same theatrics with Logan Paul tonight, and it did not hit the mark like that did back in NXT Black and Gold when Ricochet feuded with Velveteen. We'll go over that as well, as Ricochet's promo ability was the talk of the town on social media. Cody Rhodes. Good old Cody Rhodes, man. Nothing more than a fucking theme song now is Cody Rhodes, man. He's starting to feel like everybody else on the main roster. This guy's talked about his momentum tonight. This guy talked about Brock Lesnar tonight. He talked about SummerSlam. And he said that the feud with Brock Lesnar does not make any sense. He doesn't know why it's happening. His words, not mine. We got. Cody Rhodes out on Monday Night Raw basically throwing the truth to you live on television tonight, right in plain sight. He's throwing it out there. Does that make sense? If he doesn't know how the fuck this thing came about, if he has no fucking explanation for it, then how the fuck am I supposed to explain it to you guys? We can't. We can't. What killed Cody's momentum, he says. I'll give you the fucking answer tonight. It's Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon killed Cody's momentum. He has none. And he says after he beats Brock Lesnar, he's going to be next in line. No, he's not going to be a part of the NIL program. He's going to be next in line for a world championship. Which world championship is that going to be? I don't know. Right now, it can't be Roman because he's on Raw. Does he finish the story against Seth Rollins? I don't know, but he's next in line for what? A cappuccino at Starbucks? What is he in line for? The new Legend of Zelda game at Target. What is he in line for? 
Maybe it's a two-for-four deal at fucking Stop and Shop. I don't fucking know. What is he in line for? Cody out here making no sense. No sense. And that was basically Monday Night Raw in a nutshell, folks. Nothing happened on this show. I don't care. I don't care about anything on Monday night. We're going to get into this. We got news on Johnny Gargano. We got news on Bray Wyatt. We'll go over that stuff as well. WWE apparently breaking up factions is a new thing. You want to know how Vince McMahon's in charge? Just look at what is happening to Judgment Day. Look at what's happening to Imperium. We'll talk about all that stuff tonight on the Monday Night Raw post. Appreciate you guys being here. On your Monday night, it was a long weekend for me. I did not cover AEW Collision, but I did watch. I was away this weekend. Got back from wherever I was today, but I did watch and tweet during AEW Collision. We'll be back in action all week, full schedule. Samoa Joe and CM Punk was awesome. FTR versus Bullet Club Gold was fucking great. And Collision was a damn good show on Saturday night, man. If you missed any of the other content before that, there's plenty of it, man. Extras, we were live all last week. Go and check all that stuff out. Everything you need is on the homepage. If you missed or need to catch up on any of the content right here on the podcast, follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Make sure you guys get those super chats in. It's a great way to support the show. As always, we'll hang out at the end of the show with our cold beverages. Memberships are open. Get them on in as well. Come on into the VIP lounge, man. It's where all of us usually sit at the end of the night. If you want to be a part of the channel, become a channel member, that's what you do. Hit that join button down below and become a VIP. Hit that thumbs up. We got 2,200 people in here, man. I need 1,000 likes minimum. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. That's the best way to help the show out, by hitting that thumbs up. And tonight's show is sponsored by Blue Chew. BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. Make sure you guys go get your free sample today. Code JD at checkout. All you have to do is pay the $5. Shipping and handling. Appreciate you guys very much for all of your support right here on Off The Script. Monday Night Raw started out with the Judgment Day. As always, WWE overexposing the Judgment Day on Monday night. Starting to not become a fan of too much Judgment Day. Same thing every week. Finn Balor made his ring entrance. As soon as the show starts, he's pacing around in the middle of the ring. Fans were booing and he says he's got issues with how things went down last week. He says his issues with Rollins have not been put to rest. And that is because of Damian Priest. He feels like Damian Priest ruins his chances of winning the World's Heavyweight Championship. Damian Priest feels like 
Finn Balor was the reason why he didn't cash in successfully after he wanted to last week on Seth Rollins. Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio interrupted. And Dominic Mysterio, obviously, you know, it might not be 100%, but my God, man, you could tell what a piped-in fake crowd noise is compared to a genuine one. WWE is absolutely piping in fake booze for Dominic. Because it's a thing now. They're not going to get that reaction every single city that they go into. It's a thing now. And it's absolutely disgusting. It's very noticeable. Very noticeable. So Rhea Ripley and Dominic are out there. Ripley says they have issues to discuss, but they're not going to discuss them in front of the live audience. Balor said his issue is with Priest, not Rhea and not Dominic. He says he was trying to hijack his moment. Ripley gets in the ring, gets face-to-face with Balor, pushed his mic away, and she then had an off-mic talk with Balor. That got heated. Balor was upset. He turned. He looked at Rhea. He walked by Dominic and stared a hole into Dominic and walked away. That was basically the open of Monday Night Raw. Finn Balor, man. I know a lot of people are big on Finn Balor. Triple H is big on Finn Balor. I've always been big on Finn Balor. I love Finn. I think Finn is right now doing his best work right now in WWE. This, is, this includes anything on the main roster. I'm not talking about his NXT stuff. His NXT stuff was phenomenal. His NXT run was great. But this is the best. This is the most complete Finn that we've seen. The mic work, the in-ring work, the Judgment Day... The whole character development and how he got over and helped the group get over. This is Balor's best work to date, bar none. He's always been great. I'm just glad that he's finally got an opportunity to find people around him to help elevate him and he elevate them and get a solid role on the show. Because it wasn't that easy for Finn Balor to get a solid spot on the show. He was always looked at as a mid-carder by Vince. Vince had no interest in pushing him. He was a walking toothpaste ad, smiling everywhere. And Kevin Dunn had that fucking nauseating crotch shot of Finn Balor. It was like he was a toothpaste ad and an underwear model, all in one. They didn't give a shit about him. But this is his best work. He just feels new, refreshed in this role. Love to see it. So we go from that to backstage with Rhea Ripley and Dominic, and they approached Damian Priest. Priest says that went just as he predicted. Ripley says they need to act like grown men. Priest said he already spoke to Balor, and Balor chose not to listen. He wanted to go out there and do his own thing. He said for Ripley, though, he will speak to Finn Balor once again, but it will be the last time that he does. So they're they're continuing to basically tease dissension because of Balor and Priest. Obviously, the big thing here is they both want the World Heavyweight Championship. But who's going to win the World Heavyweight Championship out of the two? Neither one of them. Balor wants to beat Rollins. Damian Priest kind of continues to make these little indirect snide remarks. Well, yeah, I, I support you about going after Seth Rollins. Go win the world title. Go ahead. 
If it doesn't get done, I got the backup right here. And he holds up the briefcase. Damian Priest has indirectly referenced that if Ballard does beat Rollins, that he will be cashing in on either one of them. Doesn't matter who. If Rollins wins or if Ballard wins, Priest has the briefcase and he will cash in on Finn if it means he gets a shot at the world championship. He does not care. That's what's driving the dissension here between the Judgment Day. So who gets the boot? That's the whole story. Is Damian Priest going to get kicked out of the group for basically not being loyal to his family? Is Balor going to walk away because he can't stand to be in the same group with someone like Priest who's a turncoat and is disloyal? That's the story. We'll find out. SummerSlam's going to be a big, big pivot in that story because Balor and Rollins more than likely will be your World's Heavyweight Championship match and Damian Priest will be looming with that money in the bank briefcase. Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle and Drew McIntyre. Matt Riddle, congratulations to Matt Riddle. His girlfriend is now pregnant. And they are, uh, I don't know how further along she is, but they are expecting their first child together. So congratulations to Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle and Drew McIntyre. This is Drew McIntyre's first match since WrestleMania 39. And what will probably be one of the best matches of the entire year on many people's lists. When he wrestled Sheamus and Gunta at WrestleMania for the Intercontinental Championship. Tag team match here against Giovanni Vinci and Ludwig Kaiser of Imperium. Don't really care for these types of matches because it's the same thing every time Imperium is in the ring. Imperium does not have any momentum at all. If you are not Gunther... Imperium has zero momentum. They are basically on TV to lose. They are basically on TV to ensure Gunther looks good. That is it. But it's not fair because they are probably the best tag team in all of WWE right now when the bell rings. Yet they're basically treated like jobbers. But that's what Vince McMahon sees in Imperium. So basically, Matt Riddle was beaten up until Drew McIntyre got a hot tag. That's the typical WWE formula. Let's get Matt Riddle in there in a tag team match with Drew McIntyre. This is Drew McIntyre's first match. We'll have Matt Riddle get the shit kicked out of him until he makes a hot tag to Drew McIntyre, and then Drew McIntyre is going to run hot all over Imperium. It's exactly what happened. So McIntyre made the hot tag. He handed out overhead suplexes, and neck breakers to both Giovanni Vinci and Ludwig Kaiser. McIntyre looked at Gunther and said, I got my eye on you, bro. Coming for that intercontinental title. He powerbombed Vinci the same way that Gunther powerbombs his opponents. So that was basically a message sent from McIntyre. He set up for the Claymore kick. Kaiser got in his way. Referee was distracted. Gunther tried to interfere, but Riddle nailed him with a flying knee, jumping off the steel steps, took him out. McIntyre gave Vinci a claymore, while Riddle held Kaiser back with an ankle lock, and McIntyre got the one, two, three. 
So they get the win. And Gunther walking up the aisle with his boys, his loser guys, Vinci and Kaiser. He issued Vinci a warning after the match. He walks away. Kaiser stands there, looks at Vinci, shakes his head, and walks away. And Vinci doesn't know what he did wrong. Vinci has no idea what he did wrong. So I'm looking at this, and I'm asking myself, are they really, really pondering breaking up Giovanni Vinci away from Imperium? First of all, I don't know how you guys view this. I don't know how you watch the show, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to give you a little insight as to how I watch this show. Do you know what I saw when I saw this? I saw stupidity. Another huge logic gap created by the Vince McMahon logic gap of creative. Giovanni Vinci and Ludwig Kaiser have lost how many matches on the main roster? Every time they're in a match together, whether it's a singles match or a tag team match, more than likely they are on the losing end. Okay? Kaiser's standing there shaking his head at Vinci as if he's the innocent one here. Why are you blaming Giovanni Vinci when Ludwig Kaiser is to blame just as much, if not more, than Giovanni Vinci? There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Gunther's not going to blame Kaiser along with Vinci? No, they're only blaming Vinci, though. They're only blaming Vinci. Do you want to know why they're blaming Vinci, folks? Again, do you want to know why they're blaming Vinci? They're blaming Vinci because Giovanni Vinci was not a part of Vince McMahon's imperium. Just going to let that settle with you guys. I'm going to let that little tidbit sit with you guys. When Imperium got called up to the main roster, they were not Imperium. They were not Imperium. Imperium is Vinci, Kaiser, and Gunther. They were on SmackDown. It was Kaiser and Gunther. Kaiser was basically the Ricardo Rodriguez to the Alberto Del Rio dynamic. That's, that's basically what he was. They didn't give a shit about Kaiser. Kaiser was going nowhere. Neither was Gunther. Thank God Vince McMahon got himself into some deep shit with the Wall Street Journal. Otherwise, Gunther, he would be on NXT or worse yet, fired. But Vince McMahon, being that he's back in charge, looks at Vinci. Well, I didn't call this guy up. 
This is not a part of what I thought of for Imperium and for Gunthar, right? Vince McMahon does not see any value in Giovanni Vinci, thus getting rid of him. Do you genuinely believe if WWE breaks away Giovanni Vinci from Imperium that he's going to stand a fucking chance on Monday Night Raw? He will be where Odyssey Jones is. Non-existent. He will be in catering. He'll be with all those other guys that you don't see. Elias, Rick Boogs, and all these other geeks that don't make it to television every fucking week. He stands zero chance. Why are we even teasing a breakup of Imperium? Do you realize how special Imperium is? You don't get a group like Imperium that just fit perfectly together to walk into your company every fucking week. Yeah, here we are already teasing a breakup. Why? Why mess with a near perfect thing? Because Vince McMahon didn't come up with it. Vince McMahon didn't come up with it. It's a Triple H thing. And what do I usually say? Triple H creates Vince McMahon kills. It's been the going theme for the last fucking how long? Nine years, ten years. Why are we even teasing breaking up somebody from Imperium? Now, I will say this. I don't know where this is going. I'm just alluding to it. I'm only speculating. Maybe they call up Ilya Dragunov. And maybe Ilya Dragunov gets added to Imperium. But is that really where this is going? Because I genuinely do not think Triple H himself would break away Vinci from Imperium and replace Vinci with, with uh, Ilya Dragunov. I don't. Doesn't make any sense. It's an absolute fucking disgrace that they're even toying with this idea. Apollo Crews, he's another one. Where the fuck is Apollo Crews on Monday Night Raw? He got called up. How many matches did Apollo Crews have? Two? It's exactly where Giovanni Vinci's gonna be. You fucking break. Ridiculous. They got this Drew McIntyre and Matt Riddle pairing. I don't know what we do with Drew McIntyre and Gunther for the Intercontinental title. I don't. I don't. Do we get it at SummerSlam? This is what I genuinely think about. Do we get Gunther and Drew McIntyre at SummerSlam? Gunther and the record, the honky-tonk men's IC title reign all time ends in September. It's probably, when is, when is uh, the, the WWE pay-per-view in September? Was it payback Labor Day weekend? September 2nd. Even then, it will be five days short of breaking the record. Does Vince McMahon go all petty on Gunther? This is the shit that I think about while you guys are at work. Does Vince McMahon take this and end the streak before Gunther even makes it to September? That's what I'm thinking about. Gunther's been absolutely perfect on the main roster. Bulletproof. Triple H, if there's one thing creative that he can really hang his hat on. Outside the bloodline, it's Gunther. Don't you think Vince McMahon's looking at this, saying, 
Oh my God, I can't wait. Bruce, I can't wait to beat him. I can't wait to beat him. That's going to be great shit, pal. You don't think he's foaming at the mouth to fucking end this streak? You know he is. So that's the shit that I'm thinking about. We get to SummerSlam, they book this match, and Gunther loses the title to Drew McIntyre, and he falls a month shy of the all-time record. Now, I wouldn't do it that way. You got this far with Gunther. Have him break the fucking record. Have him break the record. What difference does it make? So what do we do? They like this pairing of McIntyre and Matt Riddle. Maybe, maybe by what we've seen so far at the last couple of SummerSlams, man, we've seen some returns. I'm thinking that we get Matt Riddle and Drew McIntyre and maybe a Randy Orton teaming up in a nice big six-man tag team match against Imperium, Gunther, Vinci, Kaiser. Do that instead. Prolong the reign. Get Gunther through August. Get him into September. Then you can have one match. Have him beat McIntyre by some fucking bullshit DQ or some nefarious means. And then they can do the match the next month and then drop the title. Gunther can go on and be elevated to the main event scene. But I don't know if WWE is going to have the reign broken by Gunther. Because like I said, man, this is Vince McMahon's call. Vince McMahon is creative at a higher level. He's not in the weeds anymore, man. This is nearing that upper echelon, higher level creative. This is the type of shit that he gets fucking off on. I'm going to end this guy's reign, pal. My son-in-law thinks he was doing great. I'm going to end it. It's exactly what he's thinking. I would not do it that way. If you're out there wanting Reigns to break all these records, why not have Gunther do it as well? Who has been absolutely fucking near perfection on WWE TV. They should be lucky that he's even employed here. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, man, but I'm predicting a Randy Orton comeback at SummerSlam. I think that's the best way to go about it. They got this pairing, man. It just seems like something's going to happen here. McIntyre's got... You know, some history with Riddle. He's got some history with Orton. Obviously, you get RK Bro back for a night. I think that would be a great return. And it would play up with the SummerSlam returns as of late. SummerSlam seems to be a hot spot for returns. The Fiend returned at SummerSlam. We got Dakota Kai and Io Shirai showing up on the main roster. It's great. Let's keep that ball rolling. In the back, Finn Balor complained about Damian Priest. And he complained to Priest until Ripley cut him off. Apparently, they were arguing. So, Balor was trying to get Dom to agree that Damian Priest ruined his chance of winning the world title. Ripley scolded them. Priest said at Money in the Bank, it was never his intention to cost Finn the match. He says he was trying to help. And he would have never cashed in on him. Priest says they shouldn't go back to their usual business running, or they should go back to their usual business running this place. Or Balor then interjects and says he wants the first shot at Seth. Priest agreed and asked if they were cool. Great, you can have your shot at Seth, but are we cool? Balor says that they are cool. 
Priest says he knows that Finn can beat Seth and then held up his briefcase and said, either way, it's covered. Meaning that if Finn doesn't get the job done, he will get the job done, which is going to be interpreted as Finn looking at this and thinking, well, Priest doesn't think I can do it. What the fuck was that comment about? Damien Priest is being a prick, man. He is, but he's got the money in the bank briefcase. He could do whatever the fuck he wants. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens were backstage, interviewed by Jackie Redman. Sami talked about their title reign. They were asked, what's next for their title reign? I have no fucking idea. Maybe we could start about, maybe we could start about getting them new championships first. They're still carrying around red and blue championships. How about we get these guys a new singular title? Sammy says they're riding a pretty good streak of momentum and they'll face the challenge of whomever steps up. Ripley and Dominic showed up. Judgment Day's been in every segment of the show so far. Owens flipped out because no one called them or mentioned them, yet they're interrupting his promo. Ripley said Judgment Day can take the titles off them whenever they want. Ripley said Dom will stomp in Seth's head over and over later. She said Dom got in great cardio shape in prison and he never gets tired. There you go. Somewhere Buddy Matthews is punching the air. Sammy XKO, what do you think she meant by that? Owen says he probably ran around the yard a lot. Owens asked what Sammy thought. Sammy whispered his idea to Owens, who smiled and shrugged as if to say, I hadn't thought of that, but maybe. So clearly they're continuing the Judgment Day, chasing all the titles on Monday night. Finn wants the world title. Damian Priest wants the world title. They want the tag team titles. This is what happens when you don't have any other tag team competition on the brand for Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. This is what happens. WWE's running out of options, and the only option is the hottest group outside the bloodline, which is the Judgment Day. Don't like it. I don't like it. We got a vignette airing on Indush Share, Sangha with Veer, and Jinder Mahal. He said, victory is an illusion of fools. Your war cry is the noise beneath our feet. This is what Jinder Mahal said in this vignette. Then we got the graphic, Indus Share is coming to Monday Night Raw. It's great. They came about three fucking times already. They came three times already. Who's booking this shit? Did the dementia start to creep in again on Vince McMahon? Did he get Alzheimer's during this show? Clearly. Because Indusher has wrestled three different fucking times on Monday Night Raw. How can they still be coming if they already came? I don't get it. I don't understand. Who is interested in this group? Who? Does anybody find these guys interesting? Sangha is terrible. 
He's awful. He's one-dimensional. He's one-dimensional, never should have been called up from NXT. Jinder Mahal, I will say this about Jinder Mahal, one of the worst WWE champions ever. But him in a managerial role is not that bad. Seriously. Him in a managerial role is not that bad. Veer, this guy legitimately was an MLB pitcher for the Pittsburgh fucking Pirates. Didn't they have a fucking movie based off this guy? Isn't he some fucking legend in India? They gave this guy the most fucking lamest, most boring, non-relatable gimmick that you could possibly ever give him. Seriously. What is relatable about Indoshare? Oh, they're big and nasty heels. Yes, they're old school heels. Old school heels like this do not work in the current landscape of WWE television. Seriously. These guys are going to go out there and they're going to hear crickets for crowd noise because nobody gives a shit. They are not relatable. They are the most stereotypical fucking heel tag team that you could possibly create in the WWE and no one's going to fucking care. Are these the guys you're looking at to beat Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens? Because when that happens, the division is dead. Mark my words, the division is dead. A team like this is very one-dimensional and it's a huge risk to put all your eggs in a team like this and their basket. WWE is setting these guys up for failure. They're not over. Nobody gives a fuck. If they win the tag team titles, then where do they go from there? As soon as they are beaten, they are done. The whole illusion of a team like this is that when they are beaten, they are done. Look at what happened to Omos. The guy got thrown around by Braun Strowman. He got thrown around by Bobby Lashley. He got thrown around by Brock Lesnar. Omos had zero credibility on Monday Night Raw. He lost to every single giant in his realm, and he did not ever get the job done. Where do you go with him from there? Nowhere. He lost to everybody. If he can't beat those guys, how is he going to stand the chance against anybody else in that realm? Seth Rollins beat him. How is he going to stand up in any to anybody else in that fucking realm if Rollins beat him? Finished. How are these guys going to stand up to anybody else if they lose? They are running a very, very, very thin line with Indochere, honestly. Zero, zero interest. Seth Rollins. He came out there and he was about to wrestle Dominic Mysterio. Whoa! Fucking American Idol out there. Every time Rollins is out there, man, it's fucking nauseating. It's lame. He's out there. 
And Dominic attacked Seth at ringside as Seth was eyeing Rhea Ripley. Seth fought back and chased Dominic into the crowd. They just happened to have a camera just waiting there to film them back there. And uh, Balor and Priest showed up and attacked Seth. This was a Judgment Day sneak attack on Seth Rollins. I guess he ain't singing now, huh? So KO and Sami Zayn charged out to save Seth Rollins. Seth hit Dom across the back with the chair, and the Judgment Day fled. So the good old Vince McMahon bait and switch. We got Dominic and Seth Rollins advertised for a second week in a row, and all because Rhea Ripley interrupted Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens in the back. That was enough. For them to come out and save Seth Rollins from a beat down of or from the Judgment Day. So this is how low effort WWE has gotten on Monday Night Raw. They just need to have Judgment Day all over the show, man. Judgment Day up until this point has been in every fucking segment but two. But two. The tag team match with Imperium, Matt Riddle and Drew McIntyre and Indus share. That's it. Up until this point in the first hour, they were they were in every single segment. So WWE has Rhea Ripley interrupt Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens' interview time, and all because that happened, they felt like they needed to save Seth Rollins. It's master class of storytelling right there, folks. As lame as it could be, as low effort as it could be on Monday night, but this is what we do. This is what we do. On Monday Night Raw. And you'll have the gee. Oh, well, it, it progressed the story. It's going into SummerSlam. Sure it is. Sure it is. What are you going to do? Take Judgment Day and put them all over fucking SummerSlam too? What happened to less is more? What happened to quality over quantity? WWE takes one thing and they beat you over the fucking head with it. Because they don't know any better. Oh, fans love Judgment Day. Let's shove Judgment Day down their throats. Oh, they love singing the song. Let's have Cody do two woes. You didn't think I picked up on that one, huh? Yeah, sure thing. Show sucks. Ricochet. Wow, no Judgment Day. Ricochet is out there. He's got a microphone. I don't know if this is a good thing or not, man. Ricochet is out there. He's got a microphone. He's about to cut a promo because he wants a face-to-face with Logan Paul, who just got engaged. Congratulations to him. He told the fans that everyone knows why he's here. Why are you here, Ricochet? Why is Cody out there. Is he going to explain to us why Brock Lesnar attacked him four months ago? I'd love an explanation on that. Maybe you'll tell us why you're out here as well. He said he'd like to tell something from the heart. He says if they know him from the moment he steps through the curtain, he takes the risks he takes for all of them in the crowd so they can go home and say Ricochet was the highlight of their night. Ricochet said Logan Paul has accomplished a lot in his short time in WWE He says they've crossed paths on multiple occasions, but it was a mistake when Logan jumped him from behind because little Logan didn't get his way. He says he's cool with that 
because that's how things work here in the WWE. He says what he took offense to is Logan going on his podcast and saying that Ricochet was unprofessional when you admitted you had no clue what you were even doing in the first place. So basically, a little backstory here. Logan went on his podcast after the Money in the Bank botched spot that was supposed to see a Spanish fly from the, the springboard spot at Money in the Bank through the tables. They lost their footing. Ricochet delivered it anyway. And they barely, and I mean barely, made the full rotation. Logan Paul landed on his shoulder. He got caught up. Ricochet did it anyway, and he was whispering something to Logan Paul. Let's do it. Let's do it. Get your footing right. And Logan admitted that he didn't know know what the fuck he was doing. Like, Ricochet is trying to position himself and get the spot done, and Logan Paul didn't know what was going on, and he had to follow it through anyway. He said he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. Oh, I'm out there. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Spot looked great anyway. I mean, it could have been a disaster, but it looked great. So... He says he is unprofessional. He's calling Ricochet unprofessional. So he said they do things big in WWE. So if he's got something to say to him, let's do it face to face. Logan Paul comes out. Logan started laughing and said Ricochet is sounding like a little boy. He says he wants to say what he has to say quickly and then get out of this crap city. They were in Buffalo tonight. I don't blame him. He said, whenever they get in the ring together, it's fireworks. He said, everyone cared more about Logan losing at Money in the Bank than Ricochet winning. Kind of factual there. That's actually a shoot. He said, Ricochet blew the match for both of them. He said, that makes Ricochet a reckless amateur. Ricochet says he's the man of the people. Fans cheered. He said, none of the people wants wants him near that Money in the Bank briefcase. Ricochet said he keeps throwing around the word unprofessional. He says he wouldn't be standing in the ring after 20 years if he was unprofessional. Fans then chanted, Logan sucks. Logan says you're in the middle of your promo and the chant is still about me. Ha ha ha. Ricochet says he was going to challenge him to a match, but now that he sees his stupid face in person, he just wants to hurt him. He warned Logan not to run his mouth about him again. Logan said, or what? He says he won't be intimidated by a dude in a medium-plus button-up with 90% forehead. He says he's clever, though, and he likes it and respects it. He said Ricochet wants a match with him so they can go viral. He says he doesn't care about going viral because he is now a WWE superstar. I have a legendary knockout punch. This guy's about replays and clips. No offense, buddy, but I don't think this is going to work out between us. So Ricochet, he's in the ring, and he does this running leap and flipped over the top rope and landed on his feet. He did the same thing back in NXT, if you guys know that fabled spot, right when they began their feud with the Velveteen Dream and Ricochet on Black and Gold TV. The reason why the feud happened in the first place was because the Velveteen Dream came out there admiring Ricochet sensually. And he said to Ricochet, whatever you can do, I can do better. That was the basis of the storyline. 
Now, I don't know what the basis of the storyline here is outside of Ricochet and Logan Paul and the two interactions that they've had with each other, including a backstage brawl after Money in the Bank. Ricochet wants to go viral. Logan Paul looks at Ricochet as a TikTok reel. Nothing but Instagram reels and highlights and TikToks, and he wants to go viral. That's what the basis of this is. And then Ricochet proceeds to prove Logan Paul correct by flipping over the rope. I don't know if they gave that one much thought, but Ricochet is out there basically proving Logan Paul factually correct in everything he said. He basically says, you don't want a match with me. All you care about is going viral. Meanwhile, this guy proceeds to flip over the top rope, land on his feet, and basically prove Logan Paul correct. Who in creative came up with that one? The flip was not as good as the one he did with Velveteen, and the crowd reaction here in Buffalo was as fucking lame as could be. I wish I could get the Full Sail crowd back when Ricochet did that flip in front of Velveteen. They chanted, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. These people didn't make a fucking peep. I appreciate the throwback, but holy shit, if you don't see the discrepancies between a main roster fucking (laughs) crowd and a fucking real wrestling crowd, I don't know what the fuck you're watching, man. This had little to zero impact on anything and made Ricochet look like a fucking geek. That's what it did. He proved Logan Paul correct. Now, Ricochet's mic skills was the talk of the town on social media. Was he great in his promo tonight? No, of course not. Was he terrible? No, he was not. Does he have some rough spots when he's cutting a promo? Absolutely. But the thing is, this is the way that I see it. WWE gave Logan Paul a microphone, and he's a great promo. Logan Paul's a great promo. They also gave Ricochet... Mike time in a segment with Logan Paul. To me, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, well, they gave Ricochet Mike time in a Logan Paul promo, right? In a Logan Paul segment. And they know that he's not that good of a promo guy, but they gave him Mike time anyway. And they gave him plenty of time to say what he needed to say out there. But the way that I see it is they're trying to treat Ricochet and Logan Paul here as equal. And they gave him a microphone to get his shit in And they're giving him a spotlight when they didn't do that before in this manner. So the way that I see it is that WWE is start, hopefully, I don't want to give them the benefit of the doubt. WWE could potentially start to look at Ricochet as a mid-card, slowly moving to that upper echelon kind of, you know, right below the main event type of guy. Are they looking at him like that after tonight? I don't know. But he was in the fucking ring on Raw, cutting a promo with Logan Paul, and that's a big deal. Because they're not going to give that segment to just anybody. They didn't need to do that to sell this match. They could have made the match, and people would have been like, all right, that's going to be a banger at SummerSlam. I don't need anything to be said. We'll just go off based on what they did in the Royal Rumble and what they did at Money in the Bank. They didn't need to have Ricochet go out there and cut a promo, but they did. And the reason why they did is because they may be starting to look at Ricochet as, hey, there's something more that we can do with him, and he's better than what we've done with him in the last four years. 
Maybe. I hope so. Because Ricochet in that ring between those ropes is a main event guy. On the microphone, not so much. But it should be a banger at SummerSlam regardless. Becky Lynch. This was only the second match of the night, by the way. We're through one hour and about 20 minutes. Second match of the night. Becky Lynch and Zoe Stark. There was a rumor that Becky Lynch wasn't cleared tonight. Clearly, that was not the case, and whoever reported that got their fucking uh, dirt sheets and news and rumors incorrect. They got their sources incorrect. Whatever they were fed from their sources was incorrect. Becky, Becky Lynch was on the show tonight, reportedly not cleared before the show. All of a sudden, she was cleared. I don't know what was going on there. Smash with Zoe Stark went 11 minutes, and it was not good at all. It was very blah. Very blah. Stark was in control. Stratus tripped Becky Lynch behind the referee's back, and that gave Zoe the upper hand in this match. Becky Lynch started to make a comeback after a commercial break. She had an exploder suplex for a two-count Zoe responded with some clotheslines, a sliding knee, twisting senton for two off the ropes. Becky Lynch counted Zoe's finish, the Z360, and hit a reverse DDT for a two count. Zoe counted a disarm her a couple of times, hit a spinning back kick for a near fall. Zoe tried a cradle while holding the ropes, but the referee caught her cheating. Lynch tried to return the favor by doing the same thing, but Stratus informed the referee and jumped on the ring apron. Lynch argued with Stratus as her back was turned on Zoe Stark. Zoe Stark tried her finish, but Lynch countered again. Lynch dropkicked Stratus off the apron, but with her back turned to Zoe, Stark rolled her up with a big leverage pin. One, two, three, and Zoe pins Becky. Everybody's looking at this as, oh, wow, Zoe, she pinned Becky, man. What is this going to do for Zoe Stark? Nothing. What does this do for Zoe? Nothing. This will not enhance Zoe in any way. Nobody will look back at this in any re- meaningful or remotely positive way. It's a nothing win, a cheap victory for Zoe. People will make it out to be more than it really is, and it means jack shit. Do you genuinely believe WWE is going to go all in on Zoe? I don't. I don't. Zoe gets the win over Becky, and Becky's going to get the last laugh. Ha, ha, ha. When she beats Trish at SummerSlam. Maxine Dupree. She had the Alpha Academy graduation ceremony. This is a Vince McMahon segment, if i ever seen one. Otis and Gable stood at a podium in red graduation gowns and caps. Chad Gable talked up how Maxine showed hard work, dedication, and commitment to a master coach's plan. He says it was his great honor to give his model students a graduation certificate to the Gable Academy. Maxine gave her acceptance speech and said she is just getting started and this star is going to sparkle. Gable said that was great and then said they have a tradition 
Otis took off his robe and revealed his belly and started dancing with his fat flabbing all over the place. Vince gets a cackle out of this in Gorilla, laughing his ass off. That's why this was done. Otis took off his robe, put on the Alpha Academy jacket, and then this turned into a complete comedy skit. Cable told Maxine to drop her cap and take off her gown. Get your mind out of the gutter. He presented her with a Gable Academy jacket. She did take off her robe and her wrestling singlet was underneath. They put the jacket on her and the Viking Raiders interrupted. Valhalla snuck in from behind Maxine from the opposite side of the ring and stole her jacket. So now we have this storyline continuing with the Viking Raiders stealing the Alpha Academy jacket. I don't know when the last time we had a fucking I'm going to steal your jacket storyline, but if I can recall, Jean-Pierre Lafitte, who is now known as PCO, on Impact, stole Brett the Hitman Hotch jacket. What was this, 1990? What was this, 1994, 1995, somewhere around there. 96, Jean-Pierre Lafitte, pirate man, stole Bret the Hitman Hart's jacket. That's what we're doing now. Stealing jackets. What a storyline, man. This is Vince, if I ever seen one. Who gives a shit? When is this going to end? I thought this ended when Maxine got a fucking arm drag and a suplex on Valhalla. Now we're continuing it. And WWE thinks that because a jacket was stolen, I'm going to show some fucking interest in this storyline. Nobody gave a shit in the first place, and no one gives a fuck about the jacket. Nobody. This is not interesting at all. You know what they should do? Remember when the New Day wrestled the Viking Raiders on SmackDown? What, they had that Vikings rules match where the ship was made out of a fucking Viking ship? That's what they need to do here. Get this feud blown off in one of them fucking Viking shit matches and then move the fuck on. That was pretty damn fucking good, man. I thought that was a great match between the Viking Raiders and the New Day. Let's do the same thing here. Have some fun with it and move the fuck on. A clip aired of Shayna Baszler attacking Ronda Rousey and then the promo exchange with the brawl last week we saw. Baszler was warming up backstage. She apparently was uh, warming up playing cards. She was shuffling a deck of cards. Maybe Shayna Baszler would have more of a fucking uh, chance playing poker than she does on Monday Night Raw. She goes one-on-one with Emma. Wow, Emma, man, Emma. Emma's probably really happy she came back to WWE. The only remote thing that Emma has to be happy with. The only positive about Emma's return to WWE is that she gets to work alongside her fiance, Matt Cat Moss. Where the fuck is he? I don't know. Did he just disappear? What happened to Madcap? Another one of those guys that's on the back of a fucking milk carton. No, but we get Judgment Day in every fucking segment within the first hour and a half of this show. Shayna Baszler has the worst fucking theme music in history. She came out 
in a hoodie, and she looked so fucking miserable, she did not even want to be there. This match went two minutes. Two minutes. Baszler put Emma in a Kirifuda clutch, and that was it. Emma got in some offense. She did that little running attack where she does that running crossbody in the corner, and then Kirifuda clutch, two minutes. What am I supposed to say about a women's match that goes two minutes? Afterwards, Ronda Rousey's music hits the PA. Ronda Rousey made a beeline for Shayna Baszler. She punched at Baszler and started beating her up. Baszler countered and put her in a Kirifuda clutch. And this was basically a tease for the upcoming match. Baszler was attacking Rousey, and Rousey got the upper hand. And that's the way this segment came to a close. So I have a question here, folks. I have a question with Ronda Rousey and Shannon Baszler. Who exactly are we supposed to cheer? I genuinely want to know who exactly is the babyface and who is the heel in this? Because I can't fucking tell. And by that, if we can't figure that out or if we can't establish that going into SummerSlam, why the fuck am I going to care? Who is the babyface and who is the heel? We don't know yet. Now, what I would do to avoid all of this fucking confusion is that SummerSlam, Triple H hopefully steps in and tells his father-in-law, hey, pops, maybe we should do this for both of these ladies. I did it in NXT, and Rollins and Riddle had a match on the pay-per-view Extreme Rules last October. It was a fight pit match. Let's get that match at SummerSlam. Because that's the only way this is going to be remotely interesting. Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey in a fight pit. End it. And goodbye, Ronda Drowsy. Goodbye. Ridiculous. Ronda Rousey's the face? I don't think so. I don't think Ronda's the baby face. Shayna's the face? I can't fucking tell. Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is out there. He's making his entrance. Whoa! Cody. Nothing more than a generic entrance on Monday night is Cody. They do it twice now. They do his fucking whoa twice now. He comes out, he does the whoa, he gets into the ring, he intentionally stands on the top rope, and they do whoa again, twice. Once isn't enough, right? He asks Buffalo what they want to talk about. I don't know, Cody. Four months now, no explanation, brother. What's going on here, man? No explanation at all. I'd love... To know how you got that arm all healed up in about six weeks, bro. What'd you do, man? How'd you get that broken arm, which is diagnosed for six month recovery time? How did you get that to heal in six weeks? That's what I want to know. What if I break my arm, Cody? You gonna give me some medical advice? What do you want to talk about? He said there are millions of people watching from home. Are there? Millions, he says. Millions. About 1.7. 1.7 million, maybe, Cody. 
They're not watching because of you. They're watching out of habit. He said there are millions of people watching from home, but he said he wanted to turn his back to them and see everyone in the crowd. So he turns his back. He turns away from the hard camera, and fans are chanting, Cody, Cody, Cody. He said it can sometimes feel like there is an invisible wall between wrestlers and fans, but he doesn't feel that way. He said the reason it doesn't sound performative is because what he tells them is real. He said at a recent media event, he was asked about his momentum. Cody said he cited the fans. He said every city is sold out. Every crowd is louder and louder. He said by every metric you can judge him by, he's doing okay. He's doing okay, right? He's got a number one selling t-shirt. He's one of the top three sellers merch-wise in the company. People are buying tickets out to these WWE shows. Their live gates are bigger than they've ever been. They're breaking records in every city that they go into. Is that because of Cody? I don't know. He's got a hand in it. But is it because of Cody? Probably not. He's not the end-all, be-all for that. He said a mountain stands in front of him, though. He thinks the mountain is Brock Lesnar. Bro, the mountain is named Vince McMahon. That mountain that is facing you, Cody, is Vince and his creative at a higher level. But now he's in the weeds. So now you got creative at a higher level that's keeping your momentum from accelerating. And now we got fucking lawnmower man, Vince McMahon, in the weeds. He's in the weeds, playing in the dirt, man. He's fucking uh, planting some new seeds. You got to get him out of there, and then maybe we can get your momentum back to where it needs to be. He was referring to Brock Lesnar, though. He said Lesnar isn't there because he didn't think Buffalo was worth the trip. Brock doesn't think anything is worth the trip at all. You thought he was going to show up in Buffalo? He didn't even go to London. Buffalo. (laughs) Who the fuck wants to fly into Buffalo? Even though it probably would have been a nice half an hour plane ride for him on the private jet. He said he was told Brock would be on Raw next week in Atlanta. Go figure. He said everybody has their Brock Lesnar. Be it fear of flying, a terrible boss, or taking a wrong turn in a marathon. He says his fight with Lesnar is because what emerges from the cloud of dust will be next in line. He says his feud with Lesnar doesn't make any sense. He doesn't know why his feud with Lesnar is even happening, he says. He basically admitted to you that there is no reason why this Lesnar feud is happening. He says when he wins and he beats Lesnar, what will emerge from the cloud of dust will be him. Next in line. He says he doesn't want to be the prince forever because he wants to be next in line. Is Cody a great promo? Sure. We know this already. But this man admitted that his feud with Brock Lesnar doesn't make sense. He doesn't know why it's happening. He said tonight in his own words, He doesn't know why it's happening. No reason. 
absolutely no reason why Brock Lesnar attacked him, is what he said. He says when he beats Brock Lesnar, he's going to be next in line. Next in line for what? Next in line for what? A cold brew at Dunkin' Donuts? Maybe he's waiting in line for Bruce Pritchard's blueberry muffin at Starbucks. What is he next in line for? Maybe a takeout order at Chipotle. What is he in line for? Maybe he's next in line to use the fucking bathroom. What is he next in line for? Maybe he's next in line for one of Titus's corn muffins. I have no fucking clue. What is he in line for? Maybe he's in line to talk to Tony Khan and beg for his fucking job back because this shit sucks. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's next in line to throw CM Punk under the bus. What the fuck is he next in line for? It clearly ain't Roman Reigns. It clearly ain't Roman Reigns. How could he be next in line for Roman Reigns if Roman Reigns is on SmackDown and he's on Raw? How is he going to get over there? He's just going to show up. Is he going to put on one of those visitor passes and make it like it doesn't matter? The fuck is he next in line for? He should be next in line for the WWE title. Can't do that. That's in Roman's possession. That's on SmackDown, the other brand. You're on Raw. The fuck are you next in line for? Cody needs to finish the story. Finishing the story means you have to go after the WWE title. Finishing the story does not mean go after Seth Rollins and the world heavyweight title. This is going to be very interesting. Very interesting. See, next in line for. Let me leave me, leave me in the chat and in the comment section. What is Cody next in line for? Is he getting ready for Halloween? Is he going to fucking uh, Hollywood USA and he's going to buy a fucking outfit for Halloween? What is he next in line for? Give me a fucking break. He's online at Stop and Shop for the two, two, what is it? Uh, the, the special on Kleenex, two for four. Give me a fucking break. Next in line. Tommaso Ciampa. No DQ match with The Miz. I didn't know what to expect here, man. I expected Tommaso Ciampa to get the win and then move the fuck on from all of this, to be quite honest with you. We did not get Tommaso Ciampa moving on from this at all. So they went to a commercial break. We'll pick it up after the commercial break. Ciampa wrapped Miz's head in between a steel chair, shoved him into the ring post. Miz came off the top rope with a trash can lid, but Ciampa caught him midair with a knee strike. Champa used the lid and hit multiple knee strikes in the corner with the trash can lid against the Miz's face. The Miz did get some offense in this match. It wasn't all Champa. So Champa sets up a table in the middle of the ring, brings Miz up to the top rope, does an avalanche air raid crash through the table. It's on his way to victory. Signature. Champa is that air raid crash through the table. Crowd went crazy. They popped big for the air raid crash through the table. I'm surprised the Miz took a bump like he did. Kudos to him. Champa went to go cover. All of a sudden, Bronson Reed breaks up the cover. Yes, 
Bronson Reed. Reed gave Champa a tsunami. Miz crawled over, covered the covered Champa, and that was it. One, two, three, and Miz gets the huge assist from Bronson Reed as they embraced. They were looking at each other. Bronson Reed was in the aisle way. Miz was laughing and looking back at Bronson Reed as if he paid Bronson Reed off. Now, I don't know if this is them going back to a Bronson Reed-Miz pairing. Maybe for the interim they are, but I don't like it. I don't like it. We're going backwards here. Bronson Reed should not have anything to do with the Miz. Nothing. It doesn't make him look good. It doesn't make him better. All this does is show me that WWE is going back on shit that didn't work. Bronson Reed should not be affiliated with the Miz in any way at all. But I do know where this is leading. I'm not dumb. Champa now has a mountain to climb to get back to what he needs to do. He wanted his revenge on The Miz. Clearly, that's not going to happen one-on-one because The Miz used his financial backing to pay off Bronson Reed to help him win this match. So what is Tommaso Champa going to do? He's going to tell everybody that, listen, I can't do it myself. In comes Johnny Gargano. They pick it up with Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa against Bronson Reed and The Miz. And that's how we get DIY back on WWE television. Great. It's kind of a lame way to go about getting DIY back on television. But I'm not going to complain about DIY getting back to WWE television. And when that happens, then we have a whole new list of complaints to worry about. How is DIY going to fare in a Vince McMahon-led creative era of WWE? I don't know. Do you trust WWE to do right by DIY? I know I don't. That's the next big fucking question. But there is news on Johnny Gargano. Where is he? Where's he been? Johnny Gargano hasn't been seen on TV. Many speculated about his status with Vince McMahon back in charge. On Monday, there was a report noting that Johnny Gargano was still injured and he wouldn't be competing at this year's SummerSlam. While we can't confirm this, says Fightful for SummerSlam, nor do do they have the status of the originally planned DIY angle, they can confirm that Johnny Gargano was no longer injured and was factored into the recent creative plans in WWE. Johnny Gargano was supposed to be on Monday Night Raw in Cleveland, but WWE had plans changed for that show because Vince McMahon blew up half the fucking script. He was supposed to be on that show. And you could go by his likes on Twitter that night that he was supposed to be on that show. So he was injured, he's cleared, he's ready to go. And more than likely, WWE is going to be doing DIY against The Miz and Bronson Reed. Does that take place on Raw? Does that take place at SummerSlam? I don't know. But it looks like we're getting DIY back together on WWE TV. And that is a huge thumbs up in my book. Sonya Deville 
and Chelsea Green confronted Raquel. <laughs> Rodriguez Gonzalez and Liv Morgan. Apparently, these two were going to be at ringside to watch their competition. Rodriguez told them to relax. They're only going to be at ringside to take a closer look at both of them. Rhea Ripley showed up and warned Rodriguez, Gonzalez, to not get involved in her business again or else it will be strike three. Green tried to take Ripley's side and said, strike three, you're out. Basketball. Lame. Ripley got in Green's face, so DeVille settled things down, and they left. Morgan told Ripley that they got involved last week because she was a bully who disrespected Natalia. Rodriguez cut off Morgan and told Ripley that they would stop her. So this is another interaction with Rhea Ripley and Raquel Rodriguez, Gonzalez. And it looks like we may be getting Raquel Rodriguez and Rhea Ripley at SummerSlam for the WWE Women's World Championship. Meanwhile, Rodriguez is a tag team champion. Interesting. Rhea Ripley's got no opponents on Monday Night Raw. So what WWE is doing now is taking the tag team championships, the women's tag team championships, and they are going to feed both Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez to Rhea Ripley. They're basically doing to Sasha Banks and Naomi what they were going to do to Sasha Banks and Naomi. They are now doing to Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan. But the thing is, Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan are not going to give WWE management any lip about how they're treating the division and the titles and their creative. They're just happy to fucking be there. They're basically doing the same thing. Rhea Ripley and Raquel Rodriguez is going to happen and Rodriguez is one half of the tag team champions. Now, if this match is taking place next week with Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green, maybe they drop the titles to Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green, and then they do that match at SummerSlam, which would make a little bit more sense, but not really, because they just won the tag team championships. Why would you take the titles off of them immediately after they beat Ronda and Shayna? What a fucking shit show that division is. Ridiculous. I am interested in none of this at all. Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green beat Katana Chance and Kaden Carter. Great. Two minutes. Great. Green won when she recovered and covered Katana with her feet on the ropes and Deville assisted by holding her feet down. Crowd was absolutely, it was like there was no crowd during this match. It's like they all went to the concession stand to go buy a fucking beverage. Zero. And I mean zero reaction for these four ladies. Awful. Byron Saxton. He interviewed Matt Riddle and Drew McIntyre. Riddle and McIntyre were backstage. Riddle noticed all of the different groups that have popped up trying to use numbers to their advantage. McIntyre's dealt with that before and he's tired of it. Is this McIntyre talking or is this Vince McMahon talking through Drew McIntyre? That's what I want to know. He and Riddle planned on eradicating all of these groups, starting with Imperium. This gotta be, this has to be Vince McMahon talking through Drew McIntyre. Riddle looked forward to beating Gunther next week. 
McIntyre advised him to delay a match a week because he won't be there next week. He's off doing company business. Riddle was one step ahead of him, bro, because he got Adam Pearce to get Vinci and Kaiser banned from ringside. McIntyre was happy about that, and then he said, let's go party in Buffalo. What is there to do in Buffalo? Don't know. Don't want to know. Next week on Raw, they advertise Lesnar appearing in Atlanta. Gable and Otis versus Eric and Ivar in a Viking rules match. There you go. Had no fucking idea that this was coming. It's like I willed it into existence. Rodriguez and Morgan versus Green and DeVille for the women's tag team titles. And Riddle versus Gunther in a non-title match. I don't know. Maybe next week we see Randy Orton. Who the fuck knows? And in the main event, Damian Priest, Finn Balor, and Dirty Dominic Mysterio. They really want you to know Dominic is dirty. How do you know Vince McMahon is running creative, J.D.? They keep telling you that Dominic is dirty, and they gave him this nickname out of nowhere. You don't think Vince McMahon was backstage? Hey, pal, you know what we need to do to get your character to the next level? We're going to call you Dirty Dominic Mysterio. That is great shit, pal. Six-man tag team match against Seth Rollins, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens. Great. Awesome. Very stereotypical and formulaic six-man tag team match. Rollins was all over Dominic here, hit a super kick. Dominic then raked Rollins' eyes, tagged him Priest, took out Rollins with a lariat. Rollins slipped out of a Priest, South of Heaven attempt, super kicked him into Balor, who fell off the apron, so they're teasing some dissension there with the Judgment Day. Rollins gave Priest the pedigree, but Balor broke up the cover and tagged in. Dominic then tagged himself in. Balor gave Rollins a headlock elbow drop. Dominic hit a frog splash. Rollins kicked out. Rollins drop kicked Balor with a super kick, or dropped him with a super kick. Tagged in Sami Zayn, who gave Balor a blue thunder bomb. Dominic broke up the cover. Owens gave him a stunner. Dominic sold it great. Priest then threw Owens from the ring over the top rope. Zayn gave Balor an exploder into the turnbuckle. Ripley tripped up Sammy as he set up for the Huluva kick. Priest gave Zayn a south of heaven. Ripley distracted the referee. Balor tagged in. Coup de grace. And he pins Sammy Zayn for the one, two, three. So that is the way Monday Night Raw goes off the air. Balor and Priest shook hands. Ripley looked very happy. Happy as Monday Night Raw came to a close. I don't know, man. I didn't like FTR losing to Bullet Club Gold on Saturday Night's Collision. They're the tag team champions in AEW. I don't like the tag team champions here in Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens losing with Sami Zayn taking a fucking pinfall here against Finn Balor. What does that mean? Where are they going with this? Is... Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio getting a tag team title match? Finn Balor just said his business with Seth Rollins isn't done yet. So clearly he still wants the world title. 
But here we have Finn Balor pinning one half of the tag team champions. Is Finn Balor getting a tag team title shot? Is Damian Priest and Dominic going after the tag team titles? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Why is Judgment Day in everybody's business? They got their own thing going on. Balor's targeting the world championship. Meanwhile, we got the tag team titles losing to Judgment Day at the end of the show. What the fuck are we doing? Again, I am not interested in any of this at all. Just seems like the creative is all over the place. All over the place. But this is what happens when Vince McMahon is running creative at a higher level. Seriously. So you have a main event match where Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and the world heavyweight champion Seth Rollins lose. Welcome to Vince McMahon's new WWE. I hope you guys enjoy it. Show is awful. Absolutely awful. The show is just fucking a chore to sit through. It felt like nine hours instead of three hours. Ridiculous. Thank you guys for joining me on this Monday night, man. We got 2,500 people in here from Monday night. I'll take it. 800 likes, I'll take it. But we need as close to 1,000 as possible, man. If you enjoyed today's live stream, hit that thumbs up. Let's try for 1,000 likes minimum right here on OTS. Super Chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out in just a little bit. Tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. You guys can use that code JD at checkout for your free sample. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. Guys, what do I tell you, man, about long-term booking? Vince McMahon does not believe in long-term booking. I do. Triple H does. I do. You do. BlueChew is no different. You guys can plan ahead. Whenever that opportunity arises, man, anytime, day or night, whenever you need, Blue Chew is your way to long-term booking. It's a unique online service that provides the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You could take them anytime, day or night, plan ahead, be ready whenever that opportunity arises. And the process is very simple, guys. You're going to sign up at BlueChew.com. Consult with one of their online medical providers. And once you are approved, you're going to receive that prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office. No awkward conversations. No waiting in line at the pharmacy. And BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to you in a very discreet package. Confidence can take you guys far in life, man. So why not give Blue Chew a try? Benefit from that extra confidence at BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. And I want to thank Blue Chew for sponsoring tonight's podcast right here on Off the Script. Nate. Eight months in the venue, Nate. Thank you, brother. What's your ideal SummerSlam 2023 card? And can I get a mighty... (laughs) 
ideal SummerSlam card, Nate, is the one that Vince McMahon has no say in. Michelle Moran with $2 Super Chat. Vince is on the warpath, breaking up factions. Yep, that, that's the next thing that's coming. That's the next thing that's coming, for sure. MGM Bolin with a $20 Super Chat. Finally home from England. Spent the whole flight listening to OTS to catch up. Money in the Bank was an amazing experience, but looking back, I guess the show was a tad underwhelming if I was home watching. Glad to be back, OTS forever. Thank you, Ballin. Appreciate that, man. Glad you had a good time in London, man. I'm looking forward to being out there at the end of August. Michelle Moran with a 2 Super Chat. Tag Team Champions losing again on TV. Vince really blows. He does. Tribal Chief becomes a new member. Thank you, Tribal Chief. What the fuck are you drinking, Tribal Chief? Lord J. Coyle with a $2 super chat. Why you gotta hate watch WWE, man? Can I ask you a question? <coughs> Lord Jack Coyle. Thank you, brother. Uh, Darius Moore with the 23 months. Thank you, man. One month away from that golden microphone, Darius. Sidro. Did you hear about the wrestling fan who wore two jackets when he painted the house? The instructions on the can said, put on two coats. Yeah, we like that one, Sidro. That was a good one, brother. Kyle Iron Man Smith with eight months. And then a 279 Super Chat. Thank you, brother. Hey, JD, it's my birthday tomorrow or today, whenever you read this. Proud to be a member of the OTS family for eight months. Everybody in the chat right now, let's wish Kyle a happy birthday, man. Give me some birthday cake emojis. Jason Barker with 11 months. Almost there to a year in the venue. I love your podcasts. Let's get these people out of the matrix. Everything felt generic on this show. ASMR worthy. Factual information, Jason. Monday Night Raw sucks. It usually does every single week. Iron Man 279. There he is. Can I get a <laughs> Kevin John says happy birthday to the Iron Man. <laughs> Wood. Rob Bay Bay with a new membership. Rob, it seems like you're a new member every fucking week, bro. Justin with a 499. To anyone who watched Raw tonight, I'm sorry for you guys. I think I had more fun watching the Home Run Derby 
over the train wreck. Who won the home run derby? Did uh, Guerrero Jr. win the home run derby? By the time I tuned in, man, he had like 27 home runs. He had to win that, right? You know what? I'm glad, man. I'm glad Acuna and Matt Olson backed out. Good. Good. Don't tread on me with a $10 super chat. You are soundly more entertaining than Monday Night Raw. Rinse and repeat. You can absolutely tell that Vince McMahon is running the show. Absolutely terrible. Vladdy won the home run derby, man, as I uh, kind of expected him to. Uh, thank you, Don't Tread on Me. I appreciate that, brother. Captain Solo with a fight. I'll see what you have. Monday Night Raw needs L.A. Night. Yeah! This Raw was absolutely hot garbage. This show got nattied and vincified. It did. It absolutely did. Yo, J.D., been watching you since 2014, and WWE is somehow still ass. I guess some things never change, but at least we have you holding it down. Keep up the awesome work. Kaioshin Ken with a 1999 Super Chat. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that very much, man. Mohammed with a five. JD, did you pre-order Spider-Man 2? No. Sidro with a five-hour super job. Why did Rikishi seed his lawn to put a little grass on it? Yeah, the uh, the venue didn't like that one, Sidro. The venue didn't like that one, brother. Tribal Chief with a two. OTS, you kill it, bro. Women's division sucks so sad. Yes, it's terrible, man. The professional guy with a $2 super chat. JD, the world is so cruel. Someone cut my Wi-Fi today. Well, maybe you should pay your fucking bill, bro. Official theme of Monday Night Raw, man. Uh, Sidro with a $5 super chat. Did you hear about Enzo Amore's chocolate cheesecake? Certified cheese and bona fide fudge. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that one, Sidra. I don't know, man. Crowd, crowd didn't like that one, man. Crowd didn't like that one. Mohammed with a five. Hard to believe Shinsuke Nakamura won the Royal Rumble. Such a shame. What happened to him? 
You think Vince is going to push Shinsuke? Come on now. Sidra with the 10 months. Thank you, brother. Much love, JD. I've been working a lot of hours at my job, so I haven't been able to see you much. Also practicing for Vegas's tournament for Street Fighter VI. Well, good luck with that, brother. I heard Street Fighter VI is very difficult to uh, get a hold of this year. Looks good, though. Looks good. Chris is chaos with 499. Just came back home from my honeymoon and catching up off the topic of this meh level raw. JD, what is your recommendation for gaming podcasting headsets? Well, I have the Steel Series uh, Wireless Atticus Pro. This is what I use for my gaming. Uh, for my podcast, I use the Audio Technica headphones. These are awesome headphones for uh, the podcast. So, you know, you really can't go wrong. You know, Astro headsets are good, A40s, A50s for gaming. You know, you don't have to spend the money on these. Uh, These ones are really good, though. I would recommend these. The AT50s, I think they're called. But I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. Uh, Hero with a $5 super chat. Max Dupree is a terrible brother. He didn't show up for his sister's graduation. I guess not. I guess not. Willie Teague with a $3 super chat. Brock vs. Cody part three. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, I'm not interested in that whatsoever. Miles Morable. With a four ninety nine, JD, what is your men's and women's Mount Rushmore of NXT black and gold OTS for life? Gargano, Champa, Cole, and I'd probably say Sami Zayn for the men. Women: Sasha, Bailey, Oscar, Shayna. Easy. JW Universe with the new membership. Thank you, brother. Thank you for the uh, new membership. Joseph King with a $5 super chat. Do you think Bullet Club Gold will win the AW Tag Team titles over FTR? No, I do not. I think FTR, they could win. If they win, if FTR loses the Tag Team titles, I I genuinely think we're going to be one step closer to CM Punk and FTR going after the trios titles. And then we'll get the Elite eyeing those trios titles again. Sean Ray J with a $10 super chat. I'm on autopilot when I watch this show because there's nothing meaningful. Also, they're going to have Finn Priest lose tag team match to further tension, a.k.a. more lazy booking. Why does Vince hate us? Shaking my head. I don't know, brother. Vince fucking hates everybody, man. He hates the fans. TMHD Electrics with a 199. Cody versus Seth at the Battle of American Idol suit. That's what it's basically become. And Johnny with a $2 super chat. No message for Johnny. Appreciate you guys. Listen, man. That's all I got for you. We are out of time. Monday Night Raw, another shit show, another lame duck show. Boring, uneventful. Nothing really is exciting on this show. It's the same shit every fucking week. Vince is just ruining the show, man. Nothing's changed. Nothing. 
But I thank you guys for joining me tonight, man. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo, Threads. Justin Jenkins in the chat. Best Alter Bridge album, Blackbird. Follow me on social media, guys. Hit that thumbs up. 1,000 likes is the goal. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. Go check out all the other content on the channel. Plenty of it. We're back to a normal week this week. You're going to have live streams and content like usual. And hit that subscribe button down below and turn on that bell for notifications, guys. Thank you for a great Monday Night Raw. Thank you for the Super Chats. And thank you for you being here. Appreciate you guys. I'll see you tomorrow night live with episode four. Andrew Bay, Dalla, and myself will be live Tuesday night Titans right here on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later.